Turn with me in, in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus ch- chapter 19 is probably the least well-known statement of the law uh, in the Scriptures. Um, I'm not sure if I read them with you before here or not, but the uh, uh, the chapter has sections on ceremonial laws, but largely it's on the moral laws. And I, on, on, on fifth Sunday months, five Sunday months, I usually read the law from Leviticus chapter uh, chapter 19. Also do it on Mother's Day. And I do that because of a friend of mine when I was just a new minister said that he did that. And he told me why. Well, why read it on Mother's Day? Well, we'll get to verse 3, I think it is. Verse 3, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. Uh, In a patriarchal society, like the the Old Testament Israel was, and ancient history has been probably since, and probably to a degree still, um, to put mother in front of father is a pretty amazing statement. I mean, even the Ten Commandments say what? Honor your fathers and your mother. It includes both, uh, and no doubt it, it, it applies to both. But there's an emphasis that I think is very healthy. All right, I'm going to, just so I don't, <laughs> so I, keep, I have the verses marked in my, in my Bible. All right, let's read uh, the first four verses to start with. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. Down to verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge, its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard, you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, you shall not bear false wit you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of the hired servant shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him 
You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's drop down. Verse 26, we'll read to the end of the chapter. You shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. You shall not round off your hair, the hair on your temples, or mar the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuts in your flesh for the dead, or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of depravity. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or wizards. Do not seek them out or so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. And you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. When a stranger sojourns or lives with you in your land, you shall do to, shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hand. Why? Because I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall observe all my statutes and all my rules and do them. I am the Lord. And so it is, I've not counted recently the number of times where the justification for the various command uh, is because of who God is. For I am the Lord your God. For I am the Lord who took you, redeemed you out of the land of Egypt. I would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. Over the last month, we have looked at the various parts of Proverbs chapter 8. The sermons were titled, An Autobiography of Wisdom. Uh, That is to say, how wisdom reveals herself, declares herself, describes herself. And so largely, it's a a monologue. Um, the, The thought occurred to me that if you start at verse 1 of chapter 8 and read through the 36 verses, uh, with one exception in verse 6 where it says, Listen, for I will speak excellent things. And then in verse, oh, a couple verses later, if I have it marked, there's one other command. Oh, there it is, verse 10. Receive my instruction. Those are the only two commands in the first 31 verses. And then you come to verses 32 and following, and they're almost all imperative instructions and commands. 
So I'm going to read through this kind of quickly so we can get to what I think is the meat and potatoes of this whole chapter. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand at the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. That was from the New King James. I meant to read the same as you have. Verse 4. To you, O men, I call. My cry is to the sons of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first acts of first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped and the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth and its fields and the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle in the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above and he established the fountains of the deep when he assigned to the sea its limit so that its waters might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth then I was beside him like a master workman I was daily his delight rejoicing before him always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men now, O sons of men, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. And do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But, he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So Proverbs chapter 8 is wisdom's, wisdom's monologue, wisdom's explanation of who she is and, and why we should listen. Why should we give heed to anything that she says? Well, the answer becomes pretty clear. 
Because of who she is. Because of where she's been. Because of what she's done. There's nothing twisted, distorted. There's nothing wrong with what she says. I mean, just, just think of this picture. Uh, we, we have described before us this most perfect plan, this most perfect path, which is clear, it's marked, it's safe, it's guarded. And which path are we going to walk on? Are we going to turn to the right or to the left? Well, that, that's what's in the human heart. To distrust God. To do our own thing. But just think how foolish that is. Wisdom has been revealed. It's been proclaimed. Uh, in fact, in those first verses of chapter 8, uh, she says, I stand on the rooftops. I stand at the gates of the city and proclaim to all. Listen. Learn. Why continue to your peril? And, and, and the amazing part of it is that fools can become wise. Those who have no home or help or ability are able to stand strong. Well, as we come to these last verses of Proverbs chapter 8, uh, it is much, almost in every way, uh, think about what uh, Joshua said to the Israelites as they were, uh, he, as, as he was fading and they were going to go on the future without them. Uh, Jer- Joshua says, Decide this day whom you will serve. Who are you going to serve? The gods of the nations? The gods of the peoples? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It could be Elijah on Mount Carmel. How long halt you? How long... Um, do you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, what should you do? You should worship and serve Him. But if Baal, if Baal is Lord, then you should serve Him. Big challenge. The 400 prophets of Baal make an altar, set a, a beast upon it, and for the whole of the day, uh, even through the mid... Uh, the evening sacrifice. They cut themselves. They cry out. Then it's Elijah's turn. He builds an altar, puts the ox on it, pours water over it in a time of drought. Interesting. Then he prays to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 8 is doing the same thing. Uh, In fact, Jesus does the same thing. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And and the unstated truth right there is that there's nowhere else to go. There's no one else who can assuage the thirst of a a thirsting soul. Uh, The hunger of, of, of one who wants and needs what only God can give. So we will see these last few verses here, wisdom pleads with us. Wisdom directs us to heed her words that we might live. But the edgy second part of that is if we don't listen, if we don't do, if we don't heed her words, the result is that we will perish and die. 
We'll look first at the admonition to take heed, the directions for taking heed. How, how is it that wisdom would have us to hold fast, be true? And then thirdly, the consequences for taking heed. And you might notice if the, look at the, the, the outline, there's a little parent, parenthetical bracket at the end. The consequences of taking heed or not. In other words, the consequences of not taking heed. So who's speaking here? It's pretty clear, right? Wisdom. The personification of wisdom. I think we made a pretty strong case. Most likely the pre-incarnate Christ. Second person of the Trinity. Now, O sons of men, listen to me. I, wisdom, verse 12, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Who's speaking but, but God Himself? That which represents knowledge, truth, faithfulness is that which comes to us uh, by the Word. Uh, to whom is this exhortation directed? Well, it says the children of men, doesn't it? Come unto me. Now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. I've not counted the number of times that chapters begin or um, God refers to His people as sons. Uh, but, but clearly, this is a, a, a scriptural method, a scriptural pattern by which God uh, addresses His people. Uh, and, and of course, it's not a, a sexist, or we're talking about the men, not the women, or the sons and not the daughters. No, it, it, it's those who are being raised up in the context of the church. Those who are uh, the children of God. Uh, in fact, you go back to the beginning verses, it, it, it's addressed to those who... Look at verse 4. Oh, you, to you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. To hear, to listen, to heed. In fact, verse uh, 31 says, Rejoicing in His inhabited world, and my delight was in the children of men. Pointed out last time that who better to become the redeemer than the one who, from the very inception of their creation, delighted in them, loved them, and of course Christ willingly laid down his life and sacrificed himself on their behalf. I think these words are for those who become somewhat impervious to the counsel and the directions of God. Verses 1 through 31 give us 50 reasons why we should listen, why we should believe, why we should trust, why we should base our lives on the revealed word of the living God. And yet, in the way that our heads and our minds get confused sometimes, we thought, oh, probably a better way. Maybe every other way is as good as the way that we're being taught. Well, that sort of thinking is poison. Patently untrue. 
Wisdom has already showed us this. Wisdom only speaks, only directs what is good, right, beautiful, and true. Uh, even Del Tackett in, in the Truth Project makes the point that, you know, uh, Christianity or the, the morality taught in the Bible is fundamentally successful. And if, if you learn to live by the principles of truth, justice, fairness, equity, chances are you're going to do well in this life. That's not the chief interest of the Bible, but, but that is the, the, the principal point of God's revealed will. Is there a better way to live? No. There's no better way to live than by what God says. Um, in, in 1 John chapter 3, uh, the Holy Spirit says um, God's commands are not burdensome. They're not hard. They're not keeping from you some good thing. Oh, God's just being mean. No, He, he doesn't want you to have all the experiences, all the joys that you could in this life. Is that true? No, it's a lie. So God is revealing His will and His Word to you so that when you're faced with temptations and opportunities to do what is not right, you'll know better. You'll recognize the lie for what it is. And, and, and order your life according to the pattern of His will. Our second point is, what, well, how, how do, are we to attain this? Uh, it's, in fact, verse 30, 33, well, I'll read from verse 32. Now therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed. Blessed. Happy. Blessed. Successful. Blessed. Uh, benefit. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Hear instruction and be wise. What would a wise person do with godly, goodly instruction? He would do what it says. And, 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 and does the Bible understand the way our hearts, the way our minds think? Absolutely. Look at the next line. The next line says, do not disdain it. Um, do not neglect it. What's the tendency of the human heart? To neglect it. To disdain it. In fact, that's really the premise of the fall in the Garden of Eden. What does Satan say? Yeah. Did God really say? You shall not eat of any of the trees of the garden. Plant downs. Questions. I don't know if this is best or right or not. Well, those... All of those sorts of thoughts come from below. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says there's wisdom from above and wisdom from below. Uh, at one point in my ministry, I, was, I, I counseled with a man who had um, voices in his head. And he said, sometimes those voices tell me to, to harm me or to do things I know are wrong. I said, well, then you know where those things come from, right? And that you shouldn't listen to them. How can you tell? Well, do they agree? with what God has revealed, or are they, are they contrary to it? Wisdom is, by definition, 
doing the things that we know we ought. In fact, think of the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I'm pretty sure it's the third stanza, the second two lines. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, O Lord, and seal it for thy courts above. What does that mean? Prone. We have a tendency. We have an inclination. And, of course, recognizing that tendency is probably a third of the battle. Because then we know what we have to oppose. We know we have to stand for the principles and practices uh, that are pleasing in His sight. Well, notice out the next verse, verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my door. So apparently what we should do, according to this verse, we should watch daily at wisdom's gates and wait at the posts of her door. Well, that's an interesting question. What are her gates? And what are the posts of her doors? Well, I I think there's a pretty clear parallel to this in in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's the verse or the, the chapter that has the first part of the summary of God's law. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? Uh, incidentally, you may, you may have noticed that in, in Leviticus chapter 19, well, that's where the second part of the summary of God's law comes from. So, in fact, it says it twice. In Leviticus chapter 19, you shall love your neighbor as your son. Jesus just puts those two together and calls it the summary of the law. Well, look at verse 6. If you, this is, I'll just read it. Deuteronomy 6, 6. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Then listen to this. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Wonder where... Those words arose from. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life. And all those who hate me, love death. Which really brings us to our third point. The consequences of taking heed or not. What does that mean, consequences? Well, if you do something, generally speaking, there's consequences. You know, parents, if you don't, if you're not back on time, there's going to be consequences. Maybe next time you won't be able to go. Or next time there will be other things. In other words, there's a consequence to our actions. Well, in this instance, what we see, uh, those who find me find life. Those who sin against me Wrong their own soul. Those who hate me love death. Uh, when the gospel is preached, there's positive reasons, there's negative reasons. 
You know, you should put your hope in, in the gospel. You should recognize there's only one way that anyone can be saved. And that's by genuine faith uh, in the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross as the means by which we find acceptance before Him. The only way. Alright? So the positive reason for coming to faith in Christ is you obtain the forgiveness of sin. You enjoy life. What's that one question? I think it's 12. Since by the righteous judgment of God we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, how can we escape that punishment and be again received to God's faith? So the second positive reason for believing in the Gospel is is we find peace with God. Uh, We become His children. He is our Father. He promises to watch over and keep us all times and places. Well, what's the negative reason to believe the Gospel? Well, you will will avoid that temporal, now, and eternal, then, punishment in God's, uh, in the wrath of God. Is that a good reason to believe the Gospel? It's a very suitable reason. It's not the only reason, but it is certainly here. And and, and the same logic is at work here. Those who come to God, those who find wisdom, knowledge of God, the grace of His favor, obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. And all those who hate me love death. We are called to faithfulness. We are called to genuine, authentic Christianity, recognizing that if that is uh, something that we view as, as unimportant and insignificant, we have just prepared ourselves and readied ourselves for a life of troubles and So it is that uh, the consequences for taking heed uh, is blessedness, fellowship with God, joy, peace, happiness. And of course, the warning is that if we don't, we bring upon ourselves troubles, difficulties, really our whole life long. I think the overarching goal here, time is is coming to a close. The overarching lesson, if you will, is that the Scriptures have to have a functional authority in our lives. You've heard me say a number of times, who do you listen to? I mean, really listen to. Who do you, who, whose way of living is your way of living? And from a passage like this, from the whole chapter, uh, if there's a better way to live than the way that wisdom reveals and describes, then we've really mis- messed something up. Because <laughs> that's, that's what this chapter said. That's what the Bible teaches. There is only one way to life. And that one way is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus even says that, doesn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no one, comes to the Father if they don't come through me. So we don't have a smorgasbord of ways to get to heaven. 
we have one way. And that one way is from the Lord. In fact, the Apostle Paul. In um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. We are ambassadors, pastors, preachers, teachers. We are ambassadors for Christ. And as we bring the message of God's Word and God's will, it is, I would feel bad saying this if it wasn't in the Scriptures, but it is, as though God were begging you, be reconciled to God. For He, God the Father, made Him, God the Son, to be sin for us. Think about that. God made Jesus to be sin for us. He imputed our wrongs, our sins, our guilt with the accompanying punishment to Him in order that we might live. That doesn't strike pretty close to your heart. The, the realization of what God has done for us in Christ, in the Gospel. And we've, we're not seeing ourselves in the proper perspective because here we are, the recipients of God's love. The recipients of God's faithfulness. And of course, the, the practical point of this is, well, how, what, what should I do? What can I do if I want to be wise? If I want to learn the ways of wisdom? Well, you have to go to wisdom's posts and wisdom's gate. What does that mean? You need to go to wisdom's words. You need to go to the Scriptures. In, in fact, Jesus says that to the devil, doesn't He? Uh, after He was being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine how hungry you are by that time? The devil says to Him, Since you are the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? What does Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What do you suppose that means? Well, I, I believe the undoubted truth what that means is as we feed our physical bodies with physical food, how many times a day? On average, probably three, a couple snacks in between, that we would do well to also feed our souls with an equal frequency. Why? Because we cannot live by bread alone. We cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, I think that's where the tradition that many of us have is. We have our families together by the table for breakfast, lunch, or supper. That we make sure that that time together uh, includes a, a time of devotion, wherein we read the scriptures, wherein we meditate and, and and thank God for the provisions that He has made for us. Uh, might it be that um, 
Proverbs 8 is not a, a chapter that you forget. In, in, I know when our kids were young, we would often read Proverbs whatever day of the month it was. When we were having our, our evening meal together or Sunday dinner, that, that's the chapter that we would read. And so it was a little bit hit and miss. Probably better to read it numerically, but, you know, that's, uh, that's up to you. But do we need spiritual food? Absolutely. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful to you for today. We thank you that your mercies are sufficient, that you would supply us with all that we need for this life and the life that is to come. Lord, might our hearts and our consciences always be moldable and shapeable by your word, by your will, that we might hear and heed and follow all that you have taught. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for the book of Proverbs. We thank you for each other in the gospel of our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.